This is the A to Z podcast. Zach Jackson, Andre Knott, at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. A to Z podcast.com, facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. Thanks for coming. Shout out as always to Scene, to the Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks, AmericanFireworks.com for helping to make this happen. Shout out to you guys for helping it grow. Um, totally honest note here uh, as we get started, and this just came to me. You know, over at The Athletic, we've launched a Browns podcast, and you know, getting these things off the ground is not easy. And uh, the producer there celebrating some milestones as we've hit as people have subscribed. So, A, I hope you click on over and subscribe to Civilized Barking, but B, just some of the milestone numbers that we've been celebrating makes me really appreciate um, you know, how many people listen, how much feedback we get here. Uh, it's really hard to grow a, a local slash regional podcast, and uh, we really appreciate you guys listening and sticking with us as we have this unconventional schedule. And I guess what I'm asking is, baseball <laughs> season's still really going on. Yeah, it's amazing. It really is. Um but you know what? It's it's odd at the same time when you're in the midst of it because we all know that the heck is less than two weeks left. And I would compare it. It's just like a school year, right? Like you you can't wait till the school year is over. You can't wait to be your senior year. And then that last week, that last week, week and a half, you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, what am I going to do when school season's over? When school's over? Um, we kind of, it's kind of that, that point. The Indians are going to win over 90 games, and we have no idea. Um where, where we're going, where we're not going, what we're going to be doing. Like, honestly, on our travel, uh, we've been told basically when we leave next Monday to go to Chicago, um, be prepared for anything. Like, be prepared to leave Washington next, on the 29th to go to Tampa, to go to Oakland, uh, and maybe even bring an extra couple pair of underwear because you might have to go to New York or Houston after that if things get really crazy. So, wow, yeah, uh, baseball still well, I don't think about much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, well – you don't, but that's where we're at right now. We're literally been told when we pack to pack for possibly four cities, possibly three cities, but we know we're going to two cities. Yeah, so right. that's all right. fun. <laughs> well, at least they're playing the Tigers this week, right? So there's a chance to yeah, build some helps. momentum and make it interesting. And really, look, um, we say this all the time. It is interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. I mean, we sit here right now. They're a half game out. Uh, two and a half out of the first place in wild card. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and, and this this kind of applies to Sunday where I, I'm not sure the Browns can beat the Rams, but it damn sure is fun to have Sunday night football in town, right? Like, you just got to yeah, enjoy this, right, if you're a fan? Yeah, well, well, we told everybody moderation, but you, like you said, you got to enjoy it. I mean, they're not favorites. It's only three points last time I checked. I thought it would be six, but – um, maybe the win on Monday night changed some of the gamblers. Maybe in my, on Vegas wants all of you idiots to run uh, to whoever your bookie is or wherever you go to try to put a bet in. Uh, but three points seems attainable. And I'll say this, if Miles Garrett can do more plus than minuses, I feel like you got a chance, right? I mean, when you've got one of the best defensive players in the game that can hit the quarterback um, and kill the quarterback literally and figuratively, uh, and I'm not condoning that or wishing upon that, but if they can't block him, uh, and Andrew Whitworth is as old as me and got more gray hair than me. Uh, that means you got a chance, right? <laughs> uh, Dre don't lie except when he does. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, Miles is having a season on many fronts. That's for sure. I, I want to stick with baseball for a second, though, before while I put my Browns thoughts together right. because it's early you. in the morning and my internet is down. Congrats, AT and T. We've done this dance before. Yeah, this- uh, anyway, yeah, this was supposed to, this this podcast was supposed to be done last night. You guys yeah, are supposed to wake up, um, so. and I'm not trying to have a funeral for him. We don't know what's going to happen, but Jason Kipnis is a guy 
I uh, know that you're close with behind the scenes. You've butted heads with behind the scenes. Uh, he's been yeah. really good at times. He made a lot of money. He's been difficult years. He came back this year, and he's had a good year, and that's been a part of the Indians' resurgence, right? And now he's out. We know yeah. what's ahead for him, which is free agency. So I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about the blow that that is among many that this team has taken. Yeah. But, um, you know, without doing his eulogy, uh, just kind of what kept uh, right. to this team. Hey, you know what? It's, it's funny you say the word eulogy because – I mean, we all know the writing on the wall. We, he's all, he, he's very, and, and the reason why you said it very well, the relationship Kip and I had, have had, um, we are tight, but we've, we, but we've always been, the one thing I can say about him, we've always been honest to a fault with each other, which means sometimes, and for most of you guys, if you don't have real friends, you don't know what it's like to be completely honest with somebody. And that means sometimes, um, you may feel like you hate each other, but really you just respect each other to a point. Um, because you don't have to pull punches with each other. And I think that's the one thing about Kip. He isn't always right, um, but he, he stands for what he stands for. And usually he's pretty honest and usually, up, you know, up front with things. He admits that he's not perfect. Um, and, and, look, I always, it's, a, it's hard for us to do in sports, but we don't do it in really many other places. Um, but but we got to say, we always talk about staying out of people's checkbooks. And just because with athletes, we know how much money they make. A lot of times we judge them off of how much money they make, which is probably unfair because it's not his fault that they were willing to give it to him. And none of us and all of us would have done the same thing if they would have given him the contract. Has he lived up to the contract? Uh, that's, that's a good, that's a conversation for, for later on, in my opinion, because he was, he's a two-time all-star. Uh, and, and I think sometimes forget the numbers. And I think you just hit on this. Some of the things he's done in the last two years, forget the numbers and forget what you see. And I know that's hard for fans. You, you judge off the numbers and that, and that makes perfect sense, but there's so much more to the game than just batting average, home runs, doubles, triples, RBIs. Are you a leader? Do you show up every day? Uh, do you complain? Do you put other guys in place? Do you, do you find a way uh, to show young guys how to play the game? Uh, and I think for the most part, all of that, all of that is there with Kip. And, and like you said, I don't want to, write it completely off, but I think we all know um, what, what inevitably is coming uh, most likely. And it's, it's just to me, and I don't want to, and I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, uh, but between the Jose injury and this one, those are, and I don't know why those are the two for me that have, that have kind of made me say this. I don't even want to say what I'm going to say, but it's the truth. Those two injuries just make me say, do you really like what you, your chances are just, I don't know. I think this was the difference in making this, you know, making the world series or not. But the Jose injury has, has been very hurtful. Uh, and the Kipnis one is too. And, and you just said it. Those are the two guys that turned the season around in my eyes. When those two start hitting in late May, the season changed completely. And we'll see. Um, it's it just, it's, it's, unbel- it's unbelievable just how many guys they've lost. And I think the thing I'll say about this is, and we'll wrap baseball with this the Indians are probably going to win 95 games. They may be more, and I mean, 90 think about that 95 games but if you read twitter you listen to radio they're the worst team that anyone's ever seen um i know baseball is, is, is topsy-turvy but when you win 95 games you've done your you know you've done your job now, we they were don't arguing this at the bar the other day and we couldn't find it on a quick google and maybe being at the bar had something to do with it is there precedent has <laughs> a team ever won 95 and not gotten in the wild card yeah it's yeah, I mean, we'll remember back in the day when you just had four teams that made the playoffs before the wild card. Right, we were talking about in this new format. Remember, we couldn't find it. Oh, in the new so. format? 
and the new format, I'm pretty sure it has it. Yeah. But that just, you know, there's, there's, it just tells you that's the type of year it is. They're going to win 90, 95. They're going to win 95, 94 games. And if I would have told you back in March that they're going to win 95 games, you would have laughed at me. As a matter of fact, I know there was an over-under in Vegas that Camino, who shouldn't tweet, was talking about. <laughs> and I'm telling you, nobody thought they were going to win 80, over 89, I think 88 or 89. And they right, haven't done it yet. It was 90 and a half, I remember it. Yeah. Was, or, yeah, 90 yeah. and a half. And they're, they're going to do that. And if I would have and think about the money we could have made if I would have said Carrasco's gonna miss half the season, Kluber's basically gonna miss all the season, Kipnis is gonna miss over a month, Lindor over a month, Ramirez over a month, like uh, Clevenger over a month, Hands now been down. I don't know how they've done it, Zach. I mean, it's it's, and like I said, I get it. If you don't make the playoffs, you're a loser, and no one wants to hear it. We always say you either get the chip or you get the Jordan face, and unfortunately, they're probably gonna get the Jordan face. But this might be the best Jordan face that you could ever get in, in team sports, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, if you win 95 and don't get in, then, um, yeah. Uh, you don't even need to dive into the circumstances, <laughs> right? That's a, that's a kick in the junk, right? Uh, that's that's yeah, not supposed it, to it, happen that way, right? It's just a great way to put the whole season. This season's been a kick in the junk. Yeah, It really has. And, I, and, I, and on one hand, uh, maybe all of us, because we've gone to the playoffs a couple of years in a row, and maybe because you feel like you have one of the best players, and maybe because we know the clock is ticking on how long he's here, I think we've we've kind of changed the 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 thought process on a ba- on, on baseball. You know, and I like literally it was like, all right, well, we got to we got to go to the playoffs, we got to win as long as we have Frankie. And I think everyone has that thought process. I'll say this: and me and the CFO were discussing this last night, and you know how conversations go with the CFO. Long. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no matter what he's doing, it is long. Um, but him and I tend to agree with something. Now, this is big on Chris Antonetti and Mike Turnoff. But if they make a couple of the right moves, and I'm not, and we don't got to get into them because the season isn't over, 2020 could be a big year for the Indians. It, it, when you consider their starting pitching and how no one else has any, that you know what I'm like. If they make a couple moves, get a couple bats. And whether they move Jose to second or, or Jose stays at third and you get a competent third base or whatever, and you grow with some of these younger players, maybe you move a guy like Plesak to the bullpen, uh, and, and maybe you have Karinchek, Plesak, and Hand in the bullpen suddenly to build around. Uh, who knows where you put Cookie? Who knows? But you have – you've got pitching-wise what every team in baseball wants going into 2020. What they do with the rest of it, we'll see. But that the the – final possible final year of Lindor could be very special come next year. Well, all I know is a baseball season is 10 and a half months long. So we'll have that magical six week off season period to go ahead and talk more about that. So as we transition here, I mean, the Indians going back five years, four years now, anyway, you're in a, they're in a position to where if they don't win a championship, it's a disappointment to some level. And that's how they're great. Right. right? That's just, that's just how it is. Like you mentioned with Kipnis in the contract. Once a guy starts making that money, he is great. There are obviously 18 different circumstances on what really goes on. But the fact is when teams invest in player, any team, not just the Indians who, who have obvious financial limitations, Though most times you're not going to win if those guys don't produce to their salary number, whether it's injury, whether it's off field, whether it's, you know, slump, whatever it is, right? Most, that's just how this right. goes because this is a business and we're judging the Browns right now, refreshingly on a different scale than we have in many, many years. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. they have talent. Um, and right now the Browns two games in are one and one, which is fine. 
And they are a talented group of individuals who have a long way to go. And that's fine because it's mid-September. And I know the Patriots look like they're going to beat everybody by 70 and win the Super Bowl. I know the Rams are coming in here, and there's no Super Bowl hangover. They're still a freaking machine. Uh, I told somebody last week I'm a little bit worried that Sean McVay against Freddie Kitchens is me against the Swenson's cheeseburger, but we'll get more into that. You're Uh, judging the Browns on a scale because you have expectations. And you've seen Miles the flashes, right? He's got to eliminate the penalties. He's got to clean it up. Don't whine to me about about the roughing the passer rules. I know they're bullshit. The fact is they tell every single player they're going to call them that way, and it's worked both ways. The rules are, yeah. You know? The rules are the rules. We yeah. all know them. We Jamal, all know Jamal Adams blasts Baker as Baker's releasing the ball the other night, and the flag comes out no hesitation, right? It's They right. know when right. you hit the quarterback that it's going to come out, right? It's, it's just – Right. It's, it's how it is. It's how it's going to be. Part, it's the game. So it's look. Game. So like said, so here's where out. I think the Browns are, guys. Nowhere near where they need to be. And again, it, that, that's not alarming. Uh, they need to be better. We know the next five teams they play have started two and zero. We know who the Rams are. Uh, Baltimore has has beaten up a couple of Portage County teams, but uh, Lamar's confidence is growing. We know the Ravens are always going to be good defensively. They're always going to be good at yeah. home. Um, that's scary as hell. That's one a lot of people laughed at in the summer when the Lions came out and Baltimore was three and a half. And you see the not me. these guys know. <laughs> right. Right. But look, right. Um, you know, so the defense has had one clunker and one absolutely dominating effort against a, a really awful overmatched team. But you need to dominate in those. You need Kirksey and Schobert to make plays because you don't have any other linebackers because they're in the middle of the defense and they have to make those. I thought it was the best game Christian Kirksey's played in three years. I, I know it was only uh, yeah. four tackles unofficially. The guy was all over the field. They need a healthy Christian Kirksey. Um, and they did this without Demarius Randall. You know, Olivier Vernon has right. one stat in two games. We know he's a good player. Uh, it, it'll come. Hey. So. Hoban Hoban could have beat that Jets team, so let's not let's not throw yes. a parade. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying, you, there's going to be times while you figure things out offensively that you're going to need your defense to dominate, right? Especially over these no next doubt. few weeks, no doubt. Because you're you're no going doubt. if you're going to beat the Rams or the Ravens, you're going to have to turn them over, right? You're going to have to put them yeah. in third twenty one, and then when you get this great field position, and shout out to the punter, he's been awesome. He won AFC Special Teams Player One AFC Player Week. Yeah. When you get, you know. You can argue all you want about people being upset over a 20-point win or how badly they could have beat the Jets or whatever. You know, Adam Gase gifted the Browns a little bit in, in, in one situation. When you have that much good field position over the course of the game, you just, you're supposed to get a right. more points, right? And, and so I... Wait, hey, hey. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, they, they, they won the game, first and foremost. And, and I think, and, and, and here's the deal, and I think, I don't know why this is, and, I, and I'm really having to stay away from Twitter. Uh, for the most part, but here's, they won the game and it, and it is a step as a fan and in a fandom that you can critique how a team wins. Um, yes. you know, and, and cause we, cause, yeah, and you know what I mean? Like it's a part of it. It's, it's a part of it, but at the end of the year, for the most part, the growth will be seen. We'll, we'll see and know the growth, whether it's how they use Chubb. What I, and I think those are some of the things where I see where I pay attention, where you, you, you get frustrated you get frustrated because Baker Mayfield's throwing in the fourth quarter in a game that he has no business throwing in the fourth quarter and he's getting hit. Now, on one hand, they were bad on third down conversions, and, and, I could see, and I could see in a coach's view, and maybe this is Freddie fighting his learning curve because Freddie has never been a head coach. Let's be honest. And Freddie and that Swenson's burger sounds great, and I may have Swenson's for lunch just because you brought that up because now I'm hungry, and it's, it's 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, and I barely slept. But 
is Freddie trying to find his way with calling plays and what he needs to do? Is he does he have to take his emotions out sometimes and go, all right, we've won this game, let's move on, let's let's get past it, let's just run out the clock rather than being stubborn and saying we're going to throw in third and seven and get this first down. Those are things that I question. The other thing is when you talk about the defense and you're, and you're right about you, Christian, the thing you just said about Christian Kirksey, so dead on. I don't even care about the stats. It, I care that he was always around the ball. Now that plays into the Jets having to play a mediocre offense. They didn't have any other players. They're playing a third-string quarterback that's bounced around. We watched him bounce around at Washington State when he was at Washington State. So that plays into that game. That game was, I don't want to say it was dummied down, but when you're on your second quarterback, third quarterback, you can't run half the stuff that you have. A lot of that was just get the ball to your best player who sat out all of last year and who looked gassed by the time Schobert made him fumble in the fourth quarter. But those two linebackers have to play big. I was going to ask you about Mac Wilson before you even brought that up because as, as much as he was the man during during um, he was all Berea, right? Like like during yeah. training camp. But you can tell now the season's turned. It's just it's much different. So I, I love Freddie still. I love listening to Freddie's con- press conferences. There's times during games though I want to pull him to the side and ask him what in God's name is he doing. Yeah. That's my frustrating thing. Uh, but the defense has to dominate. And, my, and we said this. Our number one – I'm not going to let us forget this. When we did our Browns preview or whatever else, the number one thing we said they had going for them has been the number one thing going for them for the first two weeks. If they beat the Rams, it's because Miles Garrett scares Jared Goff. That scares him right off of Lake Erie, right? That's how they have to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I, I thought what Freddie did late in the game was strictly arrogance. Right, and whether it was personal with Greg or it was just wanting to get Baker, um, you know, not confidence, but you know, one more. Like you, you right. said, the third third down conversion rate is putrid, you know. But you can't worry about those things, right? Um, just like they can't worry about outsiders nitpicking a twenty point win. A win's a win. You're on the scoreboard, right? Right. right? You get right. on that well, plane yeah. with everybody healthy or pretty close, and you go home. That's what really counts. So. Um, yeah, that that was that, and this whole team has to grow up and grow in. You know, other than the defense, the most encouraging thing is what you saw is that number 13 is always a play away from changing the game. And over the course of the season, when you play better teams, like when you play San Fran on Monday night and play Seattle the next week, these games are going to be decided by three plays, right? Um, in regard to field position, in regard to not taking a stupid penalty, in regard to converting a third down, and maybe just in the middle of the field that keeps the drive alive, but certainly one that allows you to get seven instead of three. Those are the times you have to win the little things, and you have to get those plays to go your way. And then it sets up for this guy to make one catch on a six-yard slant and turn it into a big play that can shift the whole season. Because boy, oh boy, Dre, the talent is still there. Yeah, 13 is a – he's something else, man. I mean, the one-handed catch, I don't care. Like, look, there's going to be podcasts that you hear from us, and this is just the reality of sports and the reality of life, people. Um, so don't call me a hater. Don't call me a lover. I'm none of the above. I'm just – I'm a human being, just like he is. There will be podcasts where we're going to send him to Canton next week, and there's going to be podcasts where we're going to try to send him back to New York in two days, right? That's but when so he true. makes that one-handed catch <laughs> – I mean, but that's just the real, like, I, yeah. I want us just to be real as people. I mean, we all make mistakes. We all think certain things. We all see certain things. And he's going to drive us crazy. Whether it's putting on a $2 million watch in pregame, I, I find it sophomore. 
I'm wearing watches and then being an asshole about it and, and, and not, that's not team oriented. That's me. That's more. And, and then, and then to blame it on everybody else. I, I can't stand shit like that, to be completely honest. I, it drives me insane. Um, and then when you see his talent, you see his ability, you get it because we treat people like that differently than we treat the guy that's got a grind. It just is. But when he catches that ball with one hand uh, to start the game off, and it's almost in the same corner as he caught the one again on Sunday night versus the Cowboys, it makes you – it takes your breath away because you go, holy shit, that guy's on our side. Yeah. And then when he catch, then when he tops it off with the 89-yard touchdown, I mean, let's be honest. There's just not a lot of guys that can catch that ball and, and, and scoot the way he scooted away from everybody and just end the game. There's game changes. And, and we – and hell, I think of Randy Moss when I see a play like that. Where Randy Moss, you can shut him down for – you know, he, Randy Moss can play when he wanted to play. He can, you know, straight cash, homie. We can think of all the negative things. But he took your breath away when it mattered most. He could scare your defense out of playing the way your defense wanted to play because you knew he could take the top off at any time. When you have 13 on your side, and you saw it the other night, it takes the aggressiveness out of a defense when you have a guy that good. But also, I think it's taking the aggressiveness of what the offense should be doing the right way from Freddie. Bingo. I, I think Bingo. Chubb. I yes. think Chubb is. I think Chubb is the best thing you got, and not taking advantage of Chubb and feeding him the ball and getting him 20 touches a game bothers me. I understand that 13 is dynamic, and he changes everything. But to me, until you feed Chubb, and, and, and even to a certain extent, and Landry has a bitch, and Tom Reed wrote a great article in The Athletic about just Jarvis Landry and everything that comes with him and how he's, how he's been a great blocker and how he's willing to return punts. I love the story. But there's, there's got to be a way to find a way to get him more involved as well. Now, at the end of the day, Odell's numbers look great on, 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 on Monday night, right? But you look at the rest of the offense, and it's just like you're looking for that, that balance, I guess is the word I'll use. Well, let me put it this way. Here's the way I look at it with, with the offense right now. Um, and, and God knows everybody in my Twitter mentions is a coach. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the quick rhythm passing game hasn't been there, right? I think some no. of it is timing slash play calling. Um, some of it is what we said last week where the defense is taking away Baker's first read. They want to know. And, of course, that, that's what happens in the NFL. They're, they're going to challenge you. These guys get paid, too. And the Browns have played two pretty good defenses, right? And I think Greg, yeah, for yeah. the most part, the other night should be proud, and, and God knows he will be, of, of the way he did that. But something, Dre, what Chubb or no Chubb, uh, analytics or no analytics, Baker's going to get caught forcing the ball to thirteen. And you know what? To me, that's human nature more than anything else because, of course, you should, right? So in an ideal world, three, four, five weeks from now, Landry, Ratley, Higgins, um, if you ever get anything out of the tight end spot, those guys will catch a bunch of 10-yard passes that turn into 28-yard gains because defenses will take that away and because they will be so precise and so up to speed with what they want to do on using – uh, Odell to rub or to decoy that those will get there. It's just taking time to get there. And and I don't care. Sometimes there's going to be a play and the Jets should have picked one off the other night the way the Titans did where Baker tries to throw yeah. it in too tight of a window. It gets deflected in the air. You just hope it doesn't get picked sixth, right? But there's going to be times when of course you force it to 13 because if he catches it and spins off the first guy, we see what happens. The band plays. You know My favorite saying, the band plays when you, when you make a mistake. Here's the deal. Then joke like there's passes, and I don't and look. I don't know the offensive play calls. I just know that you have a quarterback that's not getting the ball out quick, and it's not. And part of it is what you're saying, but the play where they, he he killed the tight end, 
get the, the he was open he was open in between the hashes. He waited to throw the ball at the numbers and he gets upended and his head almost bounces off. There, are, he won't take the check down right now. And because you say all oh, this doesn't mean that he's not a, he doesn't have a chance to be a great quarterback. But what you're remembering is he hasn't played 16 NFL games. What you're remembering is you got a young quarterback that's on his what his third offensive coordinator in, in a year and a half, in, in basically two seasons. Is in two seasons, is two games in. There's a lot going on with Baker, and that doesn't mean that he can't still be spectacular. But there's a lot going on. I know Pat McManaman, newest member of the athletic team, talked about his wins and losses versus good teams and his numbers against good and bad teams right now. He has struggled against bad, against good teams so far. That's why this week is big against the Rams. Can you go out against a team? Uh, you know, this got a guy like I don't even want to think about what Donald or what, uh, Aaron Donald will be able to do against this offensive line right now if he's healthy. But there are some things with Baker, especially against Aaron Donald and this and this defense from the from the Rams. You've got to get the ball out quicker. You can't wait. And it's a, it's progression. And, and and it's funny because I was watching one of those. Uh, FS1 TV shows that talk sports before you, we started this, and they were talking Why about would you that. Never do that because <laughs> uh, uh, I was trying to I was trying to stay awake. Usually it's what I nap to, um, but they were talking about Dak Prescott and how Dak has go, has taken himself from a guy that was a dink and dunker to a guy that's going downfield now. Well, it all plays in. He's been in an office for a couple of years. The guy that built the office built it around him. He's got the same receivers, same running back. Offensive line is all all gelled, and now all of a sudden he went from averaging seven point eight per throw. He's at like eleven point one. He's even he's doing more than even Patrick Mahomes is doing per per throw. My point is, it's taken for him. It's taken what three years, four years for Dak to get completely comfortable in an offense and in a situation to get there. And we still got a lot. Of, and I know that we've already kind of written and printed out the playoff tickets for the Browns this year, and we've already got uh, Baker Mayfield on the way to Canton. But you know, but it's going to take a lot to get there. Uh, there's a lot to the process, and he's just not there yet. And it's well, frustrating to watch right now, Zach, because there are guys open underneath. He's just not throwing it to them. Yeah. Well, two things. One, this week marks start 16 and exactly a year since he started. So this is the end of his rookie year, right? There, there's a lot. It's all right. there with Baker. It's going to take time. But you, you said something, and I'm not trying to make light of anybody's situation with this. If he doesn't start taking the check down, like you said, then he's going to be doing Blue Cross Blue Shield commercials because he's not going to last the season. Right? You he's are correct. Killed. He's got to get rid of the yep. ball. Of course, quarterbacks get hit. Um, even good offensive lines uh, are not going to protect for seven-step drops consistently. He's got to get rid of the ball, Aaron Donald or no Aaron Donald, because he is going to get killed if he doesn't. Yeah. No, and it's, and it's frustrating to watch because that was the one thing that I thought he was great at last year. And maybe because they, they, the offense was dumbed down for a rookie. But it was no big deal for the third step. And that's what we bragged about. I can remember us talking that, hey, on the five-step drop, on the fifth-step, ball comes out. Seven-step drop, ball comes out. Three-step drop, the ball comes out on that step. To me, that was awesome because usually young quarterbacks don't have that in them. You know, we, we used to make fun of Colt McCoy because he was captain checkdown, right? Or, or Charlie Fryer because they were captain checkdown. Uh, well, sometimes the checkdown is there for a reason. <laughs> and – and right now, teams are giving it to him. And if you're, and if the checkdown is just checking down to Nick Chubb, and Nick Chubb bounces around and gives you 11 yards or eight yards, you take that and you make those cities, you make those safeties come up, you make those linebackers come up, and then suddenly 13 looks way easier to get the ball to. All right, so I'm going to do a little something different for our American Fireworks Glory Days today. Um, if you're new to the podcast, when we play American Fireworks Glory Days, and we go back and we tell s- stories of 
uh, sophomore year football and sixth grade basketball and, and just whatever else. And occasionally we mix it up a little bit. Um, I want to talk about Odell Beckham today. I want to talk about it in this regard. And this is not a hot take, and this is not a diss on Odell Beckham. This is, as a matter of fact, a compliment to Odell Beckham. But I would start by saying this, Dre. If I could take this fat 40-year-old body and go back to playing, right, it'd be mm-hmm. a little different because I'd have different perspective on things, right? Hindsight is a powerful, powerful sure. weapon, right? I'd handle things differently. I'd work a little harder. I mean, hell, the way I look at it, I was probably like the third worst point guard ever to play at Manchester, right? Well, if I would have been, <laughs> been a little bit more engaged, and I was never going to be a super athlete, but, you know, if I w- – by the, by the end, I was ready to move on with my life. But if I'd have done a few things differently, maybe I'd have been like just the fifth or sixth worst, right? And here's what right. I think about Odell Beckham and his watches and his accessories and his visors and his complaining about being singled out. There's going to come a time in his life, and he's 26, not 16. Right. He's just going to wish that if he would just did six months a year of whatever he wanted to do, Instagram modeling and whatever else, and six months of football, that he could have been even better, and, and he's got a chance to be one of the best ever. I, I just think, guys, he sits there after the game and complains about the visor yeah. and then talks about the one-hand catch and says, people don't understand how that's the darkest part of the stadium down there. So why, why do you need a color? <laughs> he, he comes out and he warms up. He wears the armband and whatever. And I'm not, I'm not getting on him for accessories. There are a lot of guys playing sports at a lot of levels that wear the wristbands and the gloves and the sparkly things, and what the scouts will say is that's a sign that that guy can't really play, right? And that's not the case with Odell Beckham. But if he's got to wear the armband, I'm sure there's a reason his body is as tuned as anyone's has ever been. Why does he warm up in a purple one before he comes out in the white one? These are questions that I have. And, again, I'm not trying to be off Uh my lawn. I'm just trying to say, if Odell Beckham ever just worried Uh about football, my God, the Browns might win Super Bowls. Thank you. Um, he, he, I, um, I, I would stand up and give you uh, I would, yeah, I, I think that's, that's the generation though. And this is where we're getting somebody, somebody tweeted me last week that, um, I'm, I'm becoming more of my dad and I'm standing like, or something they like basically were just like, I'm just, I'm standing on my pulpit. I'm just, they basically said, I'm getting off, get off the lawn guy. Like I'm getting old enough and I'm like, damn, Emma. And they're like, no, it's a good thing. But I just think we're at an age that we're like, why do we like all that other stuff doesn't matter. Go out and play. And, you know, I brought up Randy Moss, and I hate comparing Odell to Randy Moss. I hate comparing anything. But Randy Moss was one of the best, I would say in the 90s, early 2000s, one of the best receivers we had ever seen, right? No doubt. And it wasn't a diva diva, but just had moments. At the Oakland part of his career, the end of Minnesota, like it just got ugly. And it didn't have to get ugly because he was just great. He played, remember he played for Tennessee? Mostly, that's something he probably don't want you to remember either. But you just like, we don't want, like, we don't want that to be the thought process. You're you're an unbelievable athlete. You are the 1% of 1%. Why are we still dealing with bullshit that you deal with with some kid that's trying to get recruited and he's really a two-star and he thinks he's going to Florida State? Like, come on, man. Get over this. Like, like if, and, and true leadership, um, yeah, I'll give you an example. Lindor, Lindor this year is not – he's only wearing like a um, – like the fake turtleneck with the Indians on it. And he's not we're like wearing stuff all over his arms and everything else. Like he used to have wristbands and he'd have this, you know, and, and I remember saying to him like, May, I was like, what's up with uh, no armbands? And, uh, and I go, going clean, going clean. And he looked at me and he goes, I'm going raw dogs this year. He goes, like, you know, like, and he started laughing. He goes, no, he goes, I just want to show my team. It ain't all about, all about being pretty and cute. We got to get dirty this year and play. So I'm not going to be wearing all that bullshit. I'm going out there raw dog and we're going to play the game. We're going to play the game, you know, the right way. 
because that's how we got to grind this year. And to me, that was a statement of, okay, maybe Frankie's growing up a little bit and he gets that that's how he, you know, it's childish, but it's one of those things these guys think about, Zach. You know what I mean? Like he, he literally thought to himself, I'm not going to wear armbands and I'm not going to do all this other stuff that I've done in the past because we got we got to come out and we got to play hard and we got to grind. And with some players, that's not Odell. Um, there's some players in this league. Like, here, I'll do this. Let's do our top five wide receivers. I just saw somebody else do this. And you know why my top receiver is a guy down in Houston? Because he just goes out and balls and you don't hear nothing else from him. Now, I know he may have some diva in him. They all do. But him or Julio is who I'd take as the, as the top two receivers in the NFL right now because they go out and grind and they take the Lindor word. They raw dog it. You don't, when have you heard Julio Jones be in the midst of any BS? Very rarely. Same with the guy, rarely. I mean, he got his contract done. He didn't have to go. He didn't have to record his coach and put it on YouTube. He didn't have to, you know, he didn't have to wear a watch. And, like, he just goes out and plays. Same with Hopkins. They go out and play, and they play hard, and they play the game the right way. Correct. Correct. Um, you know, part of it is generational. You're right. And, look, these guys are megastars, and, and they get paid to be megastars, right? And, and I know what it's like now for kids to get the Odell shoes and to, to oh, yeah. rock the certain things. I mean, uh, <laughs> because I, I was the same way, right? I wore the goofy socks, right. you know, wore the, ba- the right. baggy white uh, or the baggy black T-shirts because the Fab Five did, the black socks because the Fab Five Ab- did. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Um, yes, yes, you know, yes. You, you did it. You did the, I get that. I'm just saying. I hope, And I hope for Odell's sake because, listen, he has been nothing but class with the media. Uh, in, internally in the organization, you hear nobody say anything besides the fact that he works, that guys like him that he, he makes sure he goes out of his way, understanding his status to make sure that he filled, builds a bond with lesser players and tells guys that he's there for them. I mean, you saw that a little bit in the preseason, guys wearing his shoes. These are kids. That means something to them, right? They're pros too, but that means right, something right. to them. That Odell Beckham. Uh, I, I, just, I just hope at the end that he doesn't regret being less about football because, my goodness, he's still going to have yeah. a monster career. <laughs> And if he can stay healthy, uh, you know, you hear him talk about the calves and hamstrings and, and look, this is a, this is what comes with it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when he, when someone says, Odell, you were clocked at 23 miles an hour on the touchdown. And he says, yeah. I can get to 24, 25. I don't feel comfortable when my car gets to that speed sometimes. Right. Like <laughs> so unbelievable. If you can keep him healthy and focused, I just roll my eyes at all. We're only two weeks into the bullshit. Right. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Play yeah, part of football. Just okay. score I got touchdowns. Yeah, I hear you. Um, Patrick Mahomes is is, is going to break every passing record in football. I got to bring that out there because I know we're getting close. A couple of NFL yes. things I want to bring up to you. Um, he's phenomenal. What the hell is going on in Jacksonville? Um, and it, it, like it's and we really are going through a change of the guard as we are having this conversation. Big Ben out for the season. Eli Manning no longer a starting quarterback. Those two are drafted in the same draft. Somehow, some way, uh, the guy out in L.A. with the Chargers is still making babies and still somehow producing wins, even though they really shot themselves in the foot last week. Phillip Rivers and the Chargers in Detroit. All I could think was, Ali! Like, I just, like that was just a bad loss to <laughs> Chargers um, in so many different ways. But I, I got to get to this. I saw someone bring up the Jalen Ramsey thing to you. They tweeted us. 
You gave a nice answer, and a guy tried to attack you. What is wrong with you assholes on Twitter? Jalen, I like Jalen Ramsey, and I think he's an unbelievable corner. Um, but something is going on down in Jacksonville that's just, and maybe maybe they don't have any belief uh, in the quarterback situation with with what's his name getting hurt again. But th- it's like, come on, there's a, once again, it's a generational thing. I haven't seen somebody play. It's just like the Minka Fitzpatrick situation. Said he wanted to get traded. They damn near traded him in 12 hours. That was amazing. That was amazing to me. I was like, wow, that's how the NFL works now. You just say you want to be traded. And Jalen Ramsey, uh, they play tomorrow, right? They play like Thursday night, so they'll probably play in that game. Um, but that's all weird. But I got to ask you this. Um, I guess I should do the Ben and Eli angle. First of all, let's start with, since the, since the Steelers are in the division. What did you make of the the Minka trade? And what did you make of what Mason Rudolph was able to do? And do you? And I I text this and I believe it. I think the Ben injury will come back and they'll tell you Ben's been hurt for a while, or Ben will say that. Yeah, so well, he certainly he told, wasn't the right? same guy. Right. I mean, no, yeah. no, it feels like it was a deterioration led to one pop. Right. When they finally had. To right. Say, right. Uh, OK, look, uh, I understand the Steelers took a risk there, but the Steelers are basically I think people are, are missing what the Steelers are telling them. And, and right or wrong, we can't judge here in September. The Steelers are telling them, telling people two things. One, that Ben is their quarterback for two more years. Right. And, and he signed that contract to do that. And two, that they just think the world of Minka Fitzpatrick, and he is their top ten pick. They get him cheap for three more years, right? They they, yeah. they just think that that he is that. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, we know in today's NFL that if you don't have your quarterback, or if you blow your chance to take one of the top ten that you could pay for it for decades, but the Steelers are saying we know what we're doing. So we'll see there. I mean, they 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 obviously just think that highly of Minka. They think that Mason Rudolph has a shot. Uh, I'm familiar with Mason Rudolph from his college career and from his pre-draft process. That's when the Browns were obviously still in the quarterback market. Uh, I've only seen him play in the preseason. I didn't get really – I saw, you know, maybe one possession of the Steelers game the other day. We'll see. Uh, it's a total – it's a big transition for him. He has all the physical traits. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think the Steelers are say, are taking a look around the division and saying, guys, we are not going to be 4-12. and 12. We – we traded pick eight through twelve, right. not a top seven pick, and we'll see. Because anybody, with the exception of the Dolphins, you don't know how this is. Good. We're two weeks in, right? The Jets are going right. to win some games when right. Sam Darnold comes back, right? Nobody yeah. knows how it's going to go with other guys. And frankly, it should be alarming as hell to see all these quarterbacks go down. It's a reminder that this could go in a hurry, and it's really a reminder to Freddie to not have Baker taking that hit. We don't want Garrett Gilbert playing. Garrett Gilbert's a great kid. Don't have Freddie take. Right. Don't have Baker taking that shot at the end. It's stupid. No, um, no, no, no. On your two other thoughts, one, you were first to this, so kudos to you. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the best to ever do it. He just is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's it's fucking freaky. But there's no other way to say it. Uh, going to be going to be really fun to watch. Uh, we'll see how it all turns out. But but he is on that path. And um, he's unbelievable. The the NFL. Becoming the NBA is a discussion worth having for another day. We're out of time here. Yeah. Um, in some ways, I don't think it's bad, Dre. In some ways, I think these guys earn it. As usual, it's all about the approach. It's all about the situation. Um, sometimes you just make your money and shut up and go play, which is what we talked about earlier in this yeah. podcast. And sometimes you do yeah. this because you want to maximize your career. And, and look, we know that there are some organizations that are so inept and incompetent that guys should one out. We've lived that for a long time here in Cleveland, right? So – We'll see yeah. how all that works out. Shouts to you guys for listening. Shouts to scene. Well, let me ask, let me ask you on. one question. No, wait, 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 right, one question. I want you to get that in, and then you can get that in. 
is Eli Manning a Hall of Famer? Shout out to the Honeymoon Grill. Yeah, listen, it's worth discussing. It's worth discussing. Yes. Um, we can hold it. We can hold it. I'm yeah, curious. considering Good some thought. of the guys that have been in. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that later. Let's do that later. Um, we yeah. didn't get to our obscure Browns player of the week. We might still have another podcast this week, but that's our new segment uh, presented by our friends at Cleveland Whiskey. We're going to dive a lot more into that. I have one cooked up when I think of Browns Rams that I think of. So uh, uh, hopefully we'll do another all right, when, when we get done, I have to text you and ask you something because there is one I got too, and it's great, but I do not want to give it away. Right. So, yes, we will do that later on this week. Hopefully we can do it on Friday maybe. All right, so t- so quick, Indians lay the land. They play the Tigers, and then where does it go from here? Play the Tigers on Wednesday, Thursday, then Friday, the Philadelphia Phillies and uh, the guy that's got the richest kind of contract in baseball. Oh, yeah, I we believe. got the double Sunday them. nighter in Cleveland this week. Congrats to whoever yeah, did that. That was yeah. – that ESP, I, I got to be careful. Yeah, so that means quick, quick. Uh, I got to. I'm glad you brought this up. Thursday night, STO, myself, Matt, and Rick won't be doing the game because Fox does the seven o'clock national game. They're a national game. The, the Tigers and the Indians at seven o'clock will be on Fox on Thursday. You won't have Matt, Rick, or myself. And then Sunday, it's an ESPN game, so you won't have Matt and Rick or, or myself on that game either. I don't know who was running the baseball. Uh, decision making at ESPN, thinking that having the Cav or having the Browns play uh, on Sunday night football and the Indians play on Sunday night baseball is going to attract uh, people to the stadium. I don't think it is. It's a punch in the gut. It's the last home game of the season for the Indians. Uh, so, congrats on all of that that's happening. After that, we have Monday off. Um, so, Monday, we can probably get together and do a podcast after the Sunday night game. Uh, and the team will take off Monday to go to Chicago, three in Chicago, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then the season ends in the capital, Washington, D.C., where the MLB screwed the Indians thoroughly because they're in a pennant race. And the last three games of the season, they won't have the DH. So that's what you got. Hey, one, one last thought. On Saturday morning, I went down to Jackson to watch little Mikey play flag football. And uh, I just got to tell you, uh, if he's going to get milkshakes this year, it's going to be from the Browns, not from his own team. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>